Hello and welcome to a special edition of The Stushy, the politics podcast from DC Thompson that helps you be better briefed. Today we bring you an extended interview with Scottish Conservative leader Douglas Ross. He's joining supporters for the party's spring conference over the 28th and 29th of April in Glasgow. Prime Minister Rishi Sunak is among the speakers. It comes at another intriguing time in Scottish politics. The SNP is caught up in internal crisis. Scottish Labour is trying to carve its way back into second place in the polls. The Conservatives are trying to put the past year behind them. I caught up with Douglas Ross just before the conference. This time last year, Boris Johnson was in charge and he was struggling. Then came the downfall, the Liz Truss experiment, financial calamity for all but the richest, and then Rishi Sunak. I began by asking Douglas Ross if the turmoil his own party has faced since last year has had any lasting damage. Well, obviously there, there's been massive changes. Uh, personally, I was in bed with tonsillitis this time a year ago, which is why I couldn't do this podcast. But, uh, I mean, there's been massive changes, you know, and I did a speech at the start of the year that accepted the challenging year 2022 had been for the Conservative Party across the United Kingdom and for us here uh, in Scotland. But I was determined then to, to say we go into 2023 unusually at a non-election year here in Scotland and I think it gives us an opportunity to be focusing on developing policies so at the conference I'm going to be outlining a number of new policies that Scottish Conservatives are taking forward showing that there's a real alternative to the SNP but of course when I started thinking about that at the turn of the year I didn't know the direction Scottish politics was going to take about six weeks later with Nicola Sturgeon announcing her resignation with Hamza Yusuf becoming First Minister and the internal crisis within the SNP, the governing party of Scotland that we're still witnessing now as we go into our party conference in Glasgow this weekend. Yeah, a lot changed very quickly when it came to Scottish politics and a lot lot of it's been self-inflicted to a degree of each party having its own troubles. Do you think that's been a bit of a problem for your your own party, though? You've gone through prime ministers, the Liz Truss short-lived era, which was uh, interesting to say the least, but now you've got Rishi Sunak. How's the relationship between you two? I've always had a, a good relationship with Rishi Sunak. Uh, when I was first elected in 2017, when I won the Murray seat, uh, for the first time Rishi just became a, a junior minister. That was his first promotion onto the ministerial ranks and then he quickly became Chancellor a couple of years later. Uh, I think people across Scotland know that uh, actions that he took protected their jobs, their livelihoods uh, and businesses across the whole UK but also here uh, in Scotland. And I think you know we're now six months into his premiership. People can see someone who is on top of all of the detail, who has taken up some of the big challenges that people thought you know were going to be difficult to solve and has actually come up with solutions uh, to problems people thought were maybe too difficult uh, to actually uh, resolve in any significant way. And he's going about it diligently, quietly, just getting on with the job uh, and delivering. And of course, here in Scotland, uh, his first visit to Scotland as Prime Minister was up to, to my region in the Highlands and Islands to come to Inverness to announce the uh, Freeport for Cromarty and the Freeport for Forth as well. So really strong, positive messages for Scotland and the whole UK. And I think he's He's doing well as Prime Minister and I'm delighted to be working alongside him. Do you think that the, the Conservatives have been uh, damaged a little bit by the year that you had though? Or do you think that you've managed to claw back some ground? I mean, does, do, do people tell you that they, they're still put off by some of the turmoil that happened under the previous 
uh, boss. I, I think a lot of people have moved on. Um, you know, it was clearly a very short premiership uh, of uh, Liz Truss, and, and they can see a totally different government. Jeremy Hunt has come in as Chancellor. Uh, the Prime Minister, as I say, has got down to uh, working hard to, to deliver for individuals, families and communities across the whole country. And we can see this new style that he's brought to the uh, relationship with the Scottish Government. He wants, as I do, both the Scotland's governments to work together because we deliver far more for people if we work together. And I think he's shown that, obviously, that first announcement that I spoke about was joined up working between Scottish and UK governments to deliver two free ports for Scotland. Earlier this week, the Prime Minister and the First Minister uh, met down in the House of Commons. He wants that relationship to be as constructive as possible. Clearly, there's going to be areas of disagreement, but where there are areas they can work together. I think generally the public want to see Scotland's two governments working well with each other. We can come back a little bit more to the more Scottish Parliament-focused policy platform, but while we're, we're talking about the governments, um, there's obviously been a lot of constitutional wrangling between the UK and Scottish governments recently, um, whether it's to do with the UK government effectively blocking legislation on gender reform, um, and also what the SNP sometimes characterises as a bit of overreach. Do you think that they're right there, or do you think that the UK government is doing what it should be doing. I think the UK government's doing exactly what it should be doing on the Gender Recognition Reform Bill. We know that was an extremely controversial piece of legislation. It saw the biggest rebellion within the SNP, who, who didn't like what Nicola Sturgeon was putting forward. And we know that the stance I took as Scottish Conservative leader to have a free vote allowed the majority of my MSPs to oppose that legislation because they could see it was the wrong priority and the wrong um, process to go through. We're not saying um, that the gender reform didn't need to uh, be uh, improved, but I said at First Minister's questions what Nicola Sturgeon was putting forward was not the right approach. It uh, risks the safety of women and girls. And that wasn't just me saying that as an opposition politician. It wasn't just uh, a large number of my MSPs saying that, but actually voters of every single political party, Scottish Conservative, Labour, Liberal Democrat and SNP voters oppose that legislation. And that's why I think it was right for the Scottish Secretary to uh, invoke the Section 35 order. Uh, and obviously now Hamza Yusuf has decided to, to challenge that in one of his first acts as First Minister. And I think that's deeply disappointing because the public you know, support the position taken by the UK government and they question why the Scottish government are now wasting taxpayers' time and money on another legal challenge pitting Scotland's two governments against each other in court. And of course, Hamza Yusuf also asked again for um, permission to hold a legally acceptable to all parties independence referendum the other day. Um, do you think that that was going through the motions or do you think that there is still some sort of opportunity for the UK government, Scottish government ever to see eye to eye on this democratic principle? Well, I, I think it was rather typical that when things are getting difficult, uh, an SNP leader reaches for, for the independence button and, and hits it. And we saw that in Hamza Yusuf's first day as leader. He was making calls for another independence referendum on his second day as leader in a phone call with Rishi Sunak. He was demanding powers for another referendum and on his third day in the job he was appointing a minister for independence. He got rid of a, a minister for tourism, a minister for social security, but he created uh, a minister for independence. So sadly uh, as the continuity candidate he has continued where Nicola Sturgeon left off and he is prioritising independence above all else uh, and I think that's to, to the detriment 
segment uh, of people across Scotland who want the focus to be on getting us through the cost of living crisis, the problems within our NHS, improving our education system. These are all issues that come up with me time and time again when I'm out speaking to people across Scotland, in my mailbox, in my emails. Uh, independence does not feature uh, as a priority for people across Scotland and they question why uh, this next uh, SNP First Minister is continuing the way the last one did in putting that above all these other more important issues. Well, on, on, on that tack then, there's uh, tension clearly between the two governments on whether uh, the UK government should be stepping on or whether the Scottish government was doing th- is doing things that's beyond devolved responsibility. There was a fairly controversial call the other day from David Frost, who um, suggested that perhaps the whole concept of devolution has, has gone too far. Are Scottish Conservatives prepared to make the case for devolution? Yes, yes, we we have done uh, since the formation of this parliament in 1999. Uh, the problem is not devolution. The problem is the uh, people currently uh, in power of this devolved parliament. The you know, coalition between the SNP and the Greens has been hugely detrimental for Scotland. They are focused on the pri- their own priorities and particularly looking at the uh, the PNG and the Couriers uh, area. You know, the northeast of Scotland has been let down uh, by uh, this nationalist coalition that is more focused on the central belt of Scotland than it is on the north, the northeast, uh, and that's why I think there's significant kickback in these communities uh, for the policies that Hamza Youssef uh, is continuing with that Green ministers uh, are promoting. And I think that's, you know, we're absolutely right to legitimately call out how uh, this coalition of chaos is running Scotland. But that doesn't mean devolution's problem. It's the people with the powers of the devolved parliament at the moment that I have most issue with. Do you, do you speak to anyone um, who votes Conservative or, or is in your party who does think that maybe there could be a rebalancing of, of powers? Do you agree with anyone who says that perhaps the Scottish Parliament should hand back some powers to the UK government? Or do you think that this is what we have at the moment is, is fine. Well, I haven't spoken to anyone that's articulated that view, but we do know powers have been handed back. Powers over social security were actually devolved from the UK Parliament and the UK government to the Scottish Parliament and the Scottish government, and the SNP said we, we haven't been able to create the new systems to deliver these powers. So the only people actually handing powers back to Westminster have been the SNP because they've not been able to run the system here in Scotland. Have you spoken to the Prime Minister or anyone in, in Cabinet about the comments similar along to, to David Frost with uh, you know, Scottish Parliament under attack kind of thing? Yeah, you know, I think um, the, the people I spoke to within Cabinet were of the same view as me, that David Frost is a commentator. Uh, he's paid in many uh, ways to, to give his views and he's a backbench peer. His views don't represent the Conservative Party at a UK level, at a Scottish level or the UK government. Well, sticking with the Scottish Parliament then, you're here, you're the Scottish Conservative leader, an MSP and an MP, you know, uh, you know the story, both sides... What is it? What is the package of policies that you think that the Scottish Conservatives are going to be able to articulate at this conference and beyond? So far from a Scottish election at this moment, but um, in in an opportunity now where you can set out a stall where parties are, they all seem to be in a bit of flux. Well, you know, we are a long way out from the next Holyrood election, and I think that gives us an opportunity to, to engage, to, to speak to voters who uh, have not made up their mind or are looking for something different. Because at the next Holyrood election, the SNP will have been in power uh, for almost two decades, and 
Scotland needs change. Scotland cannot continue uh, to go through this state of politics where uh, the nationalists um, continue to uh, get elected to focus on independence rather than having a government that's elected to focus on their priorities. We all remember, and it's been um, repeated ad nauseum, that Nicola Sturgeon was urging people in 2021 to, to vote for her because of her actions over COVID uh, rather than a vote for independence. But as soon as the election's over, every vote for the SNP is taken in this place. Uh, to be uh, uh, an endorsement of independence. That's not the case. And I think what I'll be setting out in Glasgow is it doesn't have to be like that. We don't have to have uh, the dominant issue of Scottish politics being around the constitutional issue. It can be about, well, what difference can we make to the education system? Why should it be that my oldest boy's uh, going to be starting school next year? Why should I be thinking he's going to have a poorer education uh, in money than I did uh, when I started primary school all those years ago? Why is it the case that you know our NHS is under so much pressure that people, despite the heroic efforts of our nurses, our doctors and everything, everyone within the NHS, people are not being seen or treated uh, as quickly as they were uh, a number of years ago? These are all the challenges that are facing every single political party and every single single person in Scotland, but we're not having a debate about the idea about how we uh, resolve that and solve that. And that's what I want to start doing at the conference and announcing some of our policies that we think we can uh, take over uh, the coming years to deliver a real change message uh, and a real alternative to the SNP. But of course, the policies that you put forward at the moment, they, they have to be about setting out a window for future elections. But what can you what can you achieve in, in opposition at the moment in, in affecting the way that Scottish government is actually run today. Is there anything that you think you could chalk up as a, as a, as a win that you might get constructive uh, working across the, across the chamber? Well, absolutely. I think we already have. If you look at Hamza Youssef's uh, first statement um, as First Minister after the Easter recess, he ditched or certainly postponed uh, a number of key policies that Nicholas Sturgeon had introduced. Uh, we were seeing on the Scottish Conservative benches that these were going to be really detrimental. So if you look at the deposit return scheme, um, I think one of the most expert voices in the Scottish Parliament on this issue has not been the Minister, Lorna Slater. It's been my colleague, Maurice Golden, who has worked tirelessly to engage with businesses affected, with the sectors to bring forward uh, alternative uh, ideas and solutions uh, and we are now thankfully getting a pause. Now that doesn't answer all of the problems um, but it's right that that pause has taken place and it won't be introduced in August and it's now going to be uh, on schedule to be introduced in March. So that's just one area where opposition politicians can challenge the government and the government uh, have to listen. Uh, if we look at alcohol advertising for example, uh, another policy that's been ditched, a consultation that was skewed very much uh, against the, the whisky industry, an iconic industry. We were raising serious concerns about that and Hamza Yusuf has said they're, they're going to uh, do another consultation on that. Of course, it was Hamza Yusuf's health department, which he was in charge of, that uh, put forward the original uh, consultation and proposals. So I'm glad he's finally listened, but why did he allow that to go through when he was health secretary? Because surely he could have seen the problems that were going to come out of that consultation and if it was taken forward as intended the impact it would have on the industry across Scotland. Another policy that we've reported on already um, which listeners can go and read on our, our website it is about the fishing ban proposal and um, that's a policy that you're working up so you'd have to convince the Scottish government to abandon the plans for quite um, strict bans on fishing and other um, exploration and also recreation of a lot or at least 10% of the yeah. coast around um, Scotland particularly the West Coast. Do you feel that the Scottish Government would listen to you on that one or do you think that um, actually 
they're just pursuing what they think is a is a, a policy which is designed to protect the environment. Well, this is the HPMEs, the highly protected marine areas. And I was up in Shetland during the Easter recess. Um, I was meeting skippers in Lerwick. I was up in uh, Unst um, looking at the spaceport up there. But, you know, the fishing sector uh, is a huge issue in all of the Shetland Islands. And this came up time and time again. And they felt so detached and remote from the Scottish government here in Edinburgh uh, and the Scottish Parliament. They felt their voice was not being heard uh, at Holyrood. And if you look at HPMEs in particular, this was uh, an issue that, uh, you know, that 10% figure was just plucked out of thin air. No minister has been able to say how they came up with 10%. And this is part of the problem. Ministers and their officials are taking decisions here in Edinburgh that have a huge impact on the West Coast and our island communities uh, and don't take any cognizance of the impact that's going to have on the communities that will have to live with these decisions. Uh, and again, that's why we challenge that. Um, uh, Rachel Hamilton, our rural affairs uh, spokesman, has been doing a, a lot on that issue. Uh, you'll be hearing more from us on that. But again, it goes back to the Parliament not listening to, and the governing parties in the Parliament not listening to the communities they're supposed to represent. When it comes to listening to other people, have you been listening to Anas Sarwar, Scottish Labour leader, when he's been suggesting how nationalists and unionists might work together to force Conservatives out at the next election? It's a, it's a bold plan from them. Is that something that you would be worried about? Uh, well, I, I hadn't actually heard that, um, but uh, I have to say uh, it's no surprise that uh, Labour and the SNP are working together because, of course, we know, uh, despite promising not to do that for a significant period after the local government election last year, uh, Labour kept the SNP in power in Dumfries and Galloway Council, and that's now come to an end, and I'm delighted that Councillor Gail McGregor is the, the leader down there because the Conservatives are the biggest overall party, but it won't shock many people to know Labour and the SNP are working hand in glove at times. So where, where does your extra support come from then? If, if the polls are suggesting the SNP are, are having a, a difficult time after really riding high for so long, Labour appear to be the beneficiaries, so uh, Conservatives maybe being held back a little. Where, where does your support come from to get ahead again? Well, I, you know, I think we're a long way out from obviously a Holyrood election, probably about a year away from another Westminster election and I think as people hear more about the policies we're bringing forward, the vision that I and, and my party have for the future of Scotland, I think people will start to uh, look again to see what is the alternative. You know, if they don't want uh, an SNP representative they know in many parts of Scotland the north, the north east, the south of Scotland parts of the central belt such as East Renfrewshire, that the Scottish Conservatives are the, the biggest challengers to the SNP. So if they want to send a message to Hamza Youssef that he is not governing um, in their interests, that he is not prioritising the right uh, policies for, for them and their families, then they can get behind a Scottish Conservative candidate who can defeat uh, the SNP candidate and that will send the strongest possible message to put independence to one side and focus on the real issues that matter to people. One real issue, particularly in the North East um, and well, far wider across Scotland, of course, is the future of offshore uh, employment, oil and gas exploration. The Scottish and Green members in the Scottish Government want to move quite quickly towards uh, a less fossil fuel dependent future. Your party would like to take a far more gradual approach to that. But do you have an industrial policy, a sort of 
pro- a framework which is going to help people keep their jobs but move into a less fossil fuel reliant future. Yeah, and, and the industry has done a lot of that themselves. You know, the oil and gas industry are 100% behind the, the just transition. Uh, Quasi Quatran, when he was business secretary, announced one of the biggest deals to uh, help the, the, the North Sea uh, businesses to transition. It was one of the biggest deals, I think, in the G7 uh, at the time. But the problem with the SNP and the Green position, and to an extent the Scottish Labour position, because they seem to take a similar view, particularly some of their North East MSPs, Mercedes Vialba, to, to want to stop any drilling for oil and gas straight away doesn't solve the problem. While we still have demand, we have to supply that demand. And you either take it from the North Sea, where we have the expertise and we benefit financially from taking that from our own shores, or you import it at much uh, poorer standards, at far greater cost, with a far bigger carbon footprint. So uh, I just don't understand how the nationalists who who once said they stood up for the industry and for the northeast of Scotland uh, can now side with the Greens and say let's turn off the taps as quickly as possible when they know it's actually going to cost us more and have a bigger impact on the environment to import these uh, oils and gases to uh, meet the demand that's still needed. Just we talked about independence quite a lot there, but we haven't talked about the European Union and Brexit. That's obviously been a big shadow over a lot of the current troubles that people are facing in the economy and in business in Scotland. We've heard a lot about uh, Irish solutions to these problems. When is Scotland going to get a better solution to the problems raised by Brexit? Well, I think... You know, we've got to be very careful. People looking at the situation in Northern Ireland and the, the Windsor framework, I think on the whole do understand that the political troubles, and we've just celebrated the 25th anniversary of the Good Friday Agreement, it make that a very unique case. And I think most impartial observers understand why that situation between um, uh, the Northern Ireland and, and the deal for Northern Ireland is different from other parts of the United Kingdom. Uh, my focus is on ensuring that the best results are returned for the whole of the UK uh, and in fact we do the majority of our trade with the rest of the United Kingdom, not with the, the European Union. I think it's 60% of Scotland's trade is within uh, the United Kingdom. So the biggest problem for me would be, as Nicola Sturgeon accepted in one of her papers on independence, that uh, you know separating Scotland from the rest of the UK would create uh, a border between Scotland and England. That's into our biggest market and that's why uh, one of the many reasons why I think independence would be so damaging to Scotland. We're thinking of, of Brexit again though, where do you think that you might hope the UK government can make improvements in what did it go, we ripped the bandage off basically to some degree when it came to resetting a relationship with the European neighbours. So where can Scotland make some advances? Are there any areas of policy where we should roll back a little bit and try and foster closer links with the Well, I think we're already seeing that, and I think we can see quite a different relationship between the Prime Minister and the um, uh, President of the Commission, Ursula von der Leyen. Um, that is a relationship that's worked well and has delivered, for example, uh, the Windsor Framework, something many people thought would be uh, impossible uh, to deliver. It was renegotiated. There was goodwill on both sides uh, and um, a, a 
compromise was found. Now, that didn't meet universal approval. Very few things in European politics, and, and particularly uh, with the situation in Northern Ireland, would meet with universal approval. Um, but it, I think it was a, a big step forward. Now, as uh, the United Kingdom, uh, I think there are many areas that we can continue to work with partners uh, in the EU, also out with the EU. I was recently uh, in America with the Scottish Fair Select Committee, and we were looking at even greater opportunities to export uh, Scottish products to that massive market out there, you know, Scottish salmon, Scottish whisky, um, all of these um, products are in high demand, not just in Europe, but across the rest of the world as well, and I think there's opportunities uh, as we foster uh, more trade deals uh, around the world to see Scotland uh, again punching above its weight and delivering its outstanding produce uh, right across the globe. And just before we go, you've also got, um, the conference is all in Glasgow, um, it's not been in recent political history your best hunting ground for, for votes. Um, where do you see the the parts of Scotland that are going to, that you need to make advances and where do you see success in, in getting more Conservatives? Oh, well, I'm not going to answer that because where I give you a positive answer about success, you'll then assume everywhere else is excluded. But, you know, the, the message that, you know, I, I take out day after day is, you know, we can uh, bring forward policies that can help people in the north and the northeast and the south of Scotland, across the central belt, uh, in every part of the country. You know, there are too many parts of Scotland that feel ignored by this SNP Green Government feel lit out. You know, we've not even touched on uh, the very scandal that island communities who have been crying out for help and support, uh, who have not received that from the former First Minister, it doesn't sound like they're going to get much more uh, help from Hamza Yusuf himself, a former Islands Minister and, and Transport Minister. Uh, so these are areas, whether you're in the islands, on the mainland, in the north, east, south or west, the Scottish Conservatives will be standing up for you, delivering for your area and coming forward with the policies uh, and the vision um, for a better Scotland that we can all aspire to. Your MP, MSP and party leader in Scotland, will you be taking all of those jobs into the next election? Uh, well, I'll be taking them into the next election, but not out of them, because I confirmed when I became party leader in August of 2020 that I would serve as MP for the remainder of my uh, time as MP. So at the next general election, I'll go into that as MP for Murray. Sadly, I won't come out of it as MP for Murray because no one will, because my seat is one of several seats that's been carved up uh, and there will be no longer uh, a Murray seat. But after the next election, uh, I look forward to seeing more Scottish Conservative MPs elected across the country, uh, but I won't be one of them. And you'll be leader of the Scottish Conservative Party right into and beyond the next Scottish election. Yes, I will. Douglas Ross, thank you very much. Thank you.